Hey guys, welcome to The Quiet Out Loud. This is Jennifer Mock, your host, and this is kind of an impromptu episode. I actually recorded this as a live video on my Instagram feed, and I am taking the audio from that video and turning it into a little podcast episode to share with you guys, uh, because I know not everyone is on social media. And I just wanted to give you that background, though, on the context of the recording, because you'll hear me talk about some of the things that I've been sharing on social media. And the background here is talking through what I see are kind of four ways that we can live out our Christianity in the face of kind of crazy, sinful chaos in the world and kind of how we can handle that when we are confronted with it and whether or not we should actually be seeking trouble and seeking drama out, which I know I'm probably guilty of sometimes. But um, anyways, I just wanted to lay that groundwork for you and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I will say I um, recorded this the other day and I am fighting a cold, so I apologize in advance for any coughing or <laughs> nasal sound. So again, I hope you enjoy this episode and I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. All right, here we go. Hello, hello, hello. I had been posting in my Instagram stories. Um, I, I had posted recently about the Budweiser campaign and about the Country Music Awards. I mean, and those are just two very recent examples of kind of this um, transgender and drag movement an ideology that we're seeing in the world. And I was sharing that because the feedback to like Budweiser and to the Country Music Awards and to the singer Kelsey Ballerini was that they don't know their audience, that these people are these um, institutions, these companies, they're unaware of who their target audience is. And the assumption is, is that their target audience is conservatives, um, potentially Christians, but probably primarily just conservatives. And um, I would I would beg to differ. I think that these co these companies and institutions and the entertainment industry know exactly who is who is their target market, and that's why they're doing this. And that they're not marketing them a product any longer. They're not marketing to them a song or music. They are marketing to their base, their customer base, and ideology. So it's still just marketing, but they know exactly who they're talking to, and it is very intentional. It has to be. Like, these people are not that dumb to say, like, oh, they just don't know who their target audience is. Yes, they do. And they want to change and shape the ideologies of that target customer because they know that the people who are their customers do not necessarily fit the current mainstream um, idea of what is right and what is wrong. So they don't fit like the, I, I hate to use the, the like the woke agenda, but they don't necessarily fit the woke agenda. Um, they aren't aligned potentially to, again, like the trans movement, all the drag queen stuff, like all the gender ideology, all the critical theory. And so instead of marketing to them a can of beer now, they're going to start marketing to them an ideology um, and saying like, hey, you can you can have this ideology and still enjoy your can of bud or whatever. And I think that they will probably convince a few people um, 
in the long run because it is programming. Like in my opinion, uh, what we are seeing again with, I'm just using, these are again, just recent examples. There are many other examples, but you know, what we're seeing with, um, Bud and like the country music awards is really to me, it's programming because when you start, when you see this ideology and it's being thrust in your face, like literally thrust in your face over and over and over and over and over, you start questioning if you're really on the right side of things, if you disagree with the ideology that's being thrust in your face. So I do think that it's intentional. I think it's purposeful. Um, I think that it's, again, they're marketing to you an ideology. Um, and they're also attempting to, again, just program people into believing that what they're showing you is completely normal, completely natural, and is totally fine, and you should be on board with it. And I do think that that will work on some people, and the people that it doesn't work on who are really upset, we're just such an inflamed culture, like we're hot and cold all the time. And I think that the people that it doesn't work on and who are very upset and who are calling for boycotts and all of that right now will forget, unfortunately. Um, or they'll move to another product but continues to benefit that same company. So I don't think the company like really has much to lose here. Now, I know I think that there have been losses to companies like Disney and Netflix in terms of boycott. But again, I think there's looking at like the long game. And they're like, if we can, again, convince people into this ideology, like in the long game, I'm, they're not thinking that they're going to lose anything. That would be my guess anyways. And then it's less about, again, the them not knowing their market, it is them knowing their market and trying to shape and change, change them. So, and change their, like shape their soul. And the reason I wanted to use that terminology is because that is the terminology that President Biden really likes to use. He likes to use the phrase like shape our nation and shape our souls. And um, I shared in my stories about um, him saying that recently about that transgender people shape our um, shape our nation's soul. And that wasn't the only time that he's used that phrase like shape our soul. But um, he recently said it, I think it was last Thursday, um, that tr the transgender people say, shape the soul of our nation. And I think that what we, what then what we turned around and saw in the next few days from like Budweiser and the Country Music Awards was that exact thing. Like, here's how we're trying to shape the soul of this nation. So to me, it was very fitting. But as I was sharing those things, you know, one of the questions that comes up, which is a very good question, um, is, but yeah, like, but what do we do? Like, as Christians, like, what do we do? What do we say? Um, you know, what's the appropriate reaction to these ideologies that are just really bringing in so much chaos and confusion? And I think it's in our human nature a little bit to just want to fix things, right? Do we want to fix things? We want to make things better. I think ultimately, hopefully as Christians, right, we want to glorify God and we want our lives to glorify God. We want to bring people to Christ. Hopefully all of the that is your true um motivation, not just winning the culture war, which I think can be really difficult. I can personally get hung up on that myself. And I'm sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. He's always so loud with his like sniffing and snorting. Um, but I think that can be a real challenge that we get kind of focused on the culture war and not on the spiritual spiritual war. 
And I don't think that those are two, <coughs> those two things are necessarily completely separate. I do think they're intertwined. So I had been sharing this kind of stuff in my stories and people were asking me like, okay, but what do we do? <coughs> and again, I think it comes from what I just said. I, you know, we want to fix it. We want to honor God. We want to bring people to Christ. Um, the whole fix it part though, and kind of, like I said, like winning the culture war, I don't know that that is necessarily where our focus needs to be. And, you know, as, as people were asking me, like, but what do we do? Like I had four kind of things that came to mind, um, as far as like, what can we do or what can our reactions be when we see these kinds of things happening in our culture? Um, and the first one is live as peacefully as possible. I mean, I think that that's a very biblical command, Romans 12, eight, if possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all the caveat is, is that as a Christian, what we believe is that there is no true peace apart from God. When you think about um, Judaism and Christ and what Christ did on the cross, um, on the cross, peace really means being reconciled with God, being reconciled with our creator, being reconciled with our heavenly father, that apart from him, we really don't know true peace. So it's like our definition of peace might be just a little bit different than what the world sees as peace, which is just an absence of conflict. An absence of conflict is is a definition of peace, but isn't necessarily the only definition that we have as Christ followers. So Yes, I don't think that we're supposed to go out like looking to start trouble um, and to be quarrelsome. I think all of that is is biblical, um, but you also have to reconcile that with that there is no peace apart from God. Um, but again, as far as it depends on us, like I don't, we don't need to go out necessarily starting trouble. Um, so I'm hoping that all four of these things bring you just a little bit of clarity and maybe a little bit of relief. Um, yes, you should be armored up with the full armor of God every single day um, and, you know, be prepared to go to spiritual battle. But I don't think that we have to go out, like I said, go out looking for fights or looking for trouble or looking to stir up drama or just looking for the sake of it. Right. Um, so first action, I think, is living as peacefully with people as much as we possibly can as so far again, as so far as it depends on us when the fight comes to your door. Um, I don't think that that means that you necessarily back down. I think it means that we do this next piece, which is never forsake the truth. And this is just a really big one for me. Um, and I want to give you guys an example. I want to give you, tell you a story. I just read it and I will post the link down in the comments, but I read this story, um, in this article and it's about a woman who was a transgender man so she was a woman who was living as a man. So she did the hormone therapies. I believe she had the surgeries as well. I'm not 100% sure, but she was definitely like living her life as a man. And you can see pictures of her, like looks like a man, um, has a beard, all the things. And then she came to Christ and went back to being a, living her life as a female, as God created her. And this, it's just a really fascinating story of, you know, redemption and reconciliation. And one of the things that she said that just really like jumped out to me in this article was, you know, what kind of brought her, brought her back because she actually grew up with Christian parents in a Christian home. And it was like, what, what brought her back to her parents basically. And she said it was their, um, I can't remember the exact words, but it was their, their steadfastness to the truth. 
they never walked away from the truth and they never lied to her and they never participated in the lies. They never participated in the pronouns. They never participated in any of those things. And ultimately, them sticking to their guns with the truth is what brought her back to Jesus. And I, I find that fascinating because it's so simple and yet so challenging in our culture today to stay steadfast in the truth. But ultimately, the truth is what is going to win the day. And I know that there's this whole like concept within the Christian community of like, oh, we should honor and, and use people's pronouns because that's the loving and respectful thing to do. No, that is not the loving and respectful thing to do in terms of serving God, which is God first and then people. And um, when and this this article is about actually the, the basis of the article is about using um, pronouns, using people's preferred pronouns that don't match their biological gender and how that is a sin to God. And it's a really good article. Like I said, I will link it below. But again, I think we see... Christians, again, wanting to water down, I've said this before, like Christians wanting to water down the truth or make it more um, palatable to people to try to help like draw them in. But really lying to them in the long run is just going to turn them off from Christianity. Like stay steadfast in your truth and live peaceably. And already you're totally counterculture to our society right now just by doing those two things. Third, so... You're living peacefully. You're um, not forsaking the truth. You're speaking the truth. Um, but maybe that's not maybe that's not working out very well for you. Maybe people are upset or not listening to you or whatever. The third thing I would say is shake the dust off your feet. And Jesus gave a great example of this. This was Jesus shaking the dust off his feet when his hometown didn't accept him as um, who he was claiming to be. And so our role is to go out and share the gospel, just like Jesus did. He's like saying, here I am. I'm, I'm your savior. And they didn't believe him. So he walked away. He, wa he walked away. He shook the dust off of his feet and walked away. And I think that that's something that we forget that we're able to do. You don't, again, you don't have to necessarily stay and win the war of words. You can say your piece, you can say the truth. And if that isn't accepted, you can shake the dust off your feet and walk away. And again, go back to living your life. Um, I know a lot of this is kind of like easier said than done because I think a lot of us do feel, you know, under attack um, with what is going on in the world right now. But um, again, I just want you to feel empowered to that it's okay sometimes to walk away. Um, I do this very often on TikTok. I don't stick around to argue with people or again, try to like win the argument or win the fight. I've said my piece and if you don't like it or you don't believe it, I can walk away. And I know that people like to talk about how, and people should like to talk about this because it's a, one of the most amazing things. The best thing about Jesus is that he showed us um, people's humanity, right? He showed people that all of us are human, regardless of where we're at in life in terms of like hierarchy and race and, you know, religion, that we're all human. Like he, he, he shined a light on our shared humanity. Um, and people like to say, you know, throw out, he dined with sinners and he, you know, he met people in their sin and he did. 
He did do that, but he met them to change them and to change, transform their lives into something new, to make them into a new creation, not to join them in their sin in hopes that that would lure them into Christianity. He came in peace and he came in truth. And when he wasn't received, he walked away. He walked away. Not everyone that met Jesus chose to follow him. Um, if that was true, then he wouldn't have been crucified, right? Okay, and then the last one. Okay, so again, the question is like, what do you do when you're confronted with kind of these people and these ideologies out in the world and on social media and all these things? And um, the last one is, 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 I think, tough, but the most relieving in terms of it's not our, it's, it's God's job to make all things new. It's God's job to um, turn the wrongs, you know, upside down and make their own. It's, it's, it's when we try to fix everything, we're trying to take over and be God. When a lot of times the best things we can do is what we just, what I just said, live peacefully, say the truth and walk away. And which leads into this last one, which is avoid and even shun. Now, I think when we think of the word shun, I know anyway, when I think of the word shun, I think of it like, you know, reject, which I guess it is, um, reject and maybe make fun of or mock. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily what this verse meant, but when you look up, I'm going to read the verse to you, but when you look up, um, the wording that it used in the original, in the Greek, the word, um, used meant avoid or shun. And I do think shun in terms of like, Hey, I'm not accepting that. And I think that goes back to being truthful. Hey, I'm not going to live by your lies. Um, I'm just not going to do that. So you're shunning evil. You're saying I'm not participating in that because I believe that it is a lie. And, um, I want to read this. I want to read this passage to you because it came up in my, um, as I was looking up something, uh, someone had DM'd me this question and I was like looking up some verses, you know, um, that related to our conversation. And third, second Timothy chapter three, I almost said third Timothy, second Timothy chapter three. And it's really the whole chapter is great, but I'm going to read this first, this first part. And it says, because I feel like it so describes where we're at right now in our culture. It says, but know this in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves. Like if that doesn't describe like where we're at right now, I don't know what does for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, which I feel like we see a lot, especially when we see this phrase like thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Thoughts and prayers aren't enough. And we're acknowledging that we think God is there. And when I say we, I mean like our society at large, but Acknowledgement that God is there, but his power isn't enough. Anyways, I, again, I find this fascinating because I just see so much of this in our current culture and society. Um, and from such people, 
turn away. And that um, from such people turn away. The turn away is actually one word. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but that turn away is actually one word in Greek, which means avoid and shun, which I think, again, so turn away. I want to read to you what it says in my my study Bible for the turn away, like what it means. It says a command for Timothy, because this is second Timothy. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Turn away is a command for Timothy to avoid the evil persons described in the previous verses. We are not to link up in common cause with them. And I feel like this is what I see a lot of Christians doing. They're linking arms, they're allies, they're being allies to these people groups and linking arms and thinking that they're showing them love and kindness and that by linking up with them, they will attract them to the love of Christ. But really what's going to attract someone to the love of Christ is your steadfastness to the truth, your faithfulness to God, and do not link up. And the reason why it says do not link up um, in a common cause with them is it refers back to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. None of us are immune from being influenced negatively by external forces. And I think that's really what this means. Like we're not, um, we're, we're all susceptible to, to evil, to, I mean, yes, you put on the full armor of God and, and, you know, scripture and, but he's saying, do not link up because these evil practices can rub off on you. And again, I just feel like I see that so much in the church and with Christianity right now that again, with this whole like allies, you got to be allies and you got to link up. Even if you disagree, you've got to, you know, link up for this common cause. And as a Christian, I just want to give you permission that no, you don't, you do not have to link up and be allies with what the Bible calls evil. And in fact, you should not. And it specifically says you should not do that. So ultimately we are to spread the gospel. I mean, that is our, you know, our mission and to let God do the work of changing hearts and changing mind to let the Holy spirit do the work. This is one of the things that I talk about in my fruit of the spirit Bible study is that, um, there's this whole, right. There's this whole world of self-help and how you are not only your biggest problem, but you're also, um, your solution, which is like maybe there's a little bit of truth to that, but you can't be your own problem and your own solution. And, you know, what the Bible really gives us is tools to let the Holy Spirit transform us rather than relying on ourselves to transform ourselves. So and it t- really takes the pressure off of you to fix yourself or to fix everything. Like ultimately, that is up to God. That is through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the ways that we can do that is to be examples by living peacefully, um, never forsaking the truth, shaking the dust off of our feet and avoiding and shunning things that are evil in the world. So I don't know if that's helpful. It was for me just a little bit, because like I said, I can get really caught up in kind of wanting to win the culture war and wanting to win the war on words. But I think in, in, you know, example and living our life, just living our life in the world peacefully and truthfully is speaks volumes and goes so much further in kind of winning than maybe anything else we could do. 
So, and I, I like said, I want to give people permission too that you can walk away and that you don't have to be in this allyship relationship. So, those are my thoughts. I really just wanted to share because, again, um, you know, we're all looking for like, what do we do? Like, how do we act? What do we do as Christians? And what should that look like? And those were just some of my thoughts that came to me as I was chatting with y'all in my DMs. So, love hearing from you guys. Um, I hope you guys subscribe. Um, I would love to do more just lives and chats in my, again, in my subscription feed. And I hope that you guys will join me. So, all right. Thank you. I'm going to end this. I don't really know how to end it. So let's see.